Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. Even though it's a bit gloomy this morning, I hope that all of us are glad that we are here to worship our Lord at this time. As you and I know, today is the second Sunday after Easter. It has the Latin title, Misericordia Domini. And those two Latin words are the first two words of the intro for today in the Latin language. If you recall the intro, it says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. And Misericordia Domini means goodness of the Lord. So today is the goodness of the Lord Sunday. And I'm sure that the text that I just read is very appropriate for the goodness of the Lord Sunday because they are the words, again, of John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and I know you know those words, and I know that we love them dearly, do we not? They were spoken by our Lord in the upper room the night before his death, and as you recall, he was telling them that he was going to go away, that he was going to suffer, and he was going to die. And a great feeling of fear came over them, and they were filled with, again, a troubled heart, and they were rather despondent. And then it was, you remember, that Jesus turned to them and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, don't have a troubled heart. Get rid of your troubled heart, your agitated heart. Don't have a despondent heart. Don't let your heart be filled with fear. And today, 20 centuries later, as Jesus speaks to you and me from the Word of God, on this second Sunday after Easter, he says to you and me, Our risen Lord says, and he pleads with you and me, Let not your heart be troubled. Uh, get rid of an agitated, troubled heart. Uh, don't let it be a despondent heart. Don't be disturbed within. And you and I may say, How can we help but have a disturbed heart? When you and I think of death and we think of the hour and the day when we are going to leave this world, we may say, after all, death is going to come, and when it comes, it's going to be a new experience. It's going to be something that we've never experienced before. You and I can say it's going to be a new happening, something that has never taken place in our life before. And we may say, when death comes, it's going to be on a road that we've never walked on before. And we say to ourselves, uh, what lies on that road? What is coming when death comes? And so we may say, uh, how can Jesus, our risen Lord, turn to us this morning? How can he say, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Get rid of an agitated soul. Uh, don't, again, be despondent. Don't be depressed. As you think of the hour of your departure, we may say, how can I help it? Because, again, what lies ahead when death comes? Yet our Lord still says to you and me today, even though we may say, I don't know what lies ahead, and I am wondering, and therefore I have a heart filled with fear. Uh, Jesus says, will you stop having a troubled heart? Will you stop having an agitated heart, and one that is despondent, and one that is disturbed? Even though Jesus says, you may say to me, how can I help it? I don't know what lies ahead. Jesus says, there is no excuse for troubled hearts when you think of the day of your death. Jesus says there is absolutely no reason in all the world why you should have an agitated heart when you think of the day when death will come to you. And we may say, how can Jesus say that? That there's no reason, that there is no excuse for troubled hearts in view of the day of our death. And all because Jesus says to you and me this morning, you believe in God, don't you? 
And I'm sure all of us will say, sure, I do. And then Jesus says, why don't you believe in me too? That's what he told them in the upper room. You believe in God. Why don't you believe in me too? Jesus, why don't you trust me? Why don't you believe what I tell you? In other words, Christ says to you and me today, on again, this goodness of the Lord's Son, he says, will you see to it that you get rid of troubled hearts? Let there be no agitated heart within you and nothing upset. Let there be no turmoil as regards the day of your death, even though you may say, I don't know what lies ahead. And it's a strange road. It's a strange happening. It's a strange experience. And Jesus says, here is the remedy. Won't you just believe me? Won't you just trust what I tell you? And Jesus assures you and me this morning, if you believe what I tell you, then you'll find that a disturbed and a troubled heart will be gone. And you and I say, will it? Why, most assuredly, because in the first place our risen Lord assures you and me beyond the shadow of a doubt that in his Father's house there are many mansions. Can you imagine you and I having a troubled heart as regards the day of our death, as regards the hour of our departure on that road? And we say, what lies on that road? When Jesus says, won't you believe me, that there awaits you in my Father's house many mansions. And we may say, well, again, if I could believe that, then I wouldn't be troubled when I think of the day of my death and I think of the hour of my departure from this world. If I could only believe that, but Jesus says, you believe God, why don't you believe me? You and I may say, how can I believe him? Well, let's bear in mind, he is our risen Lord. And as our risen Lord who arose on Easter, he is no less than God. He was in the Father's house from eternity. If anybody ought to know what awaits you and me when death comes, I think he ought to know, don't you? And he says, won't you believe me? In my Father's house, he says. In other words, Jesus says to you and me this morning, there is a place called heaven. It's my Father's home. It is where I have been from eternity as the eternal Son. It is the home that I left when I came into the world. And therefore there is a heaven, it is a place. And you and I may say, where is it? It is God's home. Somewhere God has a home. It is the Father's house. And Jesus says, and in it there are many mansions. Won't you believe me? If it weren't so, I, I am, would have told you if it isn't true. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. I was there from eternity. There are many mansions, and that word mansion, we love it, don't we? We say a mansion is something pretentious, it's something wonderful. Sometimes we translate that Greek word, a many rooms, many resting places. And we say, in God's house there are resting places where I'll never have a second of anguish in all eternity. There are mansions and Jesus says many mansions and sometimes we may say to ourselves oh there will be a small group in heaven but when you and I turn to the book of Revelation we find that there we are told that those who are in heaven 144,000 and that may sound like a small number but you and I must realize that this is not a literal number but it's a figurative number and the 144,000 is rather an interesting number there were 12 patriarchs in the Old Testament representing those that are saved from the Old Testament 
Twelve apostles in the new representing those that are saved in the new. And now you multiply twelve times twelve gives you 144. And then you multiply it by the number 1,000, which is the number of completeness. And then you get your 144,000. These are the ones that are in the mansions. And then John says, And I, John, saw a multitude which no man could number. How many people do you think are in the heavenly mansions? There are about two and a half billion human beings, we are told, or more on the face of the earth today. I don't know about you, but in the trillions that have been born since Adam and Eve, it is my firm conviction that there are more in heaven right now in the heavenly mansions than there are human beings on earth right now. It would be small in comparison to the number of human beings who will have lived, but it will be a multitude which no man could number. Jesus says, how in the world can you have agitated hearts when you think of the day of your death? And even though you may say, but again, what lies ahead when Jesus says, won't you believe me? In my Father's house are many mansions. And therefore he assures you and me, he says, and I go to prepare a place especially for you. It's been about 2,000 years since he went back home. And he tells you and he says, won't you believe me? He says, I'm going back and I'm going to prepare a place especially for you. I don't know about you, but my mind sinks when I think, what kind of a place has he prepared for you and me when he's been doing it for 2,000 years? When you're going to get a special guest coming to your home, oh, what preparation you make. And I remember when I was a student at Catholic University, I lived in East St. Louis, and again, I would leave in September, and I would go to school till Christmas, and then I got home. But when I came back after Christmas, I didn't get home till June. There was a six-month-long period. And I can think back again when I, again, would write to my mother and say, I'm coming home. The preparation, again, the little things that I had forgotten that she remembered that I liked, the little things that she would make, the little things in the room. And how many of you, when you get word that your son, or again, your daughter, or again, your husband, is coming home from Vietnam and you got word, talk about preparation for a friend. Some of you put signs out in the yard, don't you? Welcome home. Welcome home. We've had two, haven't we, sons of the congregation that are given their lives in Vietnam, haven't we? Again, there was Roger Kern and then Dennis Richards. And we've got one young lad in the congregation who was reported missing in action for over three years. We don't know whether he's alive or whether he's dead, but we hope that he's alive. A prisoner of war. Supposing the Nystroms would get word again from Bruce that I'm alive and I'm coming home and get things ready. Can you imagine what they might do? Or his wife and answer what you and I might do in preparation. I think we'd all be out there, wouldn't we? We'd say, we want to do something. What it must be, the preparation. And Jesus says, why are you distressed? Why is, are you troubled? When you again think of the moment of death, what must it be? No wonder we can say, and I have not seen or ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love thee. I know not, oh, I know not what joys await us there, what radiancy of glory, what bliss beyond compare. And on this again, this goodness of the Lord's Sunday, then we ought to say to ourselves, when Christ says to me, let not your heart be troubled, I'd stop being agitated when you think of the day of your death, even though you say, but what lies ahead? I, I just can't lay aside an anxious heart. I, I just feel despondent in view of death because it's an experience that I've never had before. It's a happening that I've never again experienced before and it's a road that I've never walked on what lies ahead and Jesus says why don't you believe me here's the panacea well what lies ahead in my father's house mansions and I am preparing a place for you and if you and I again could say to us I'm stopping 
being agitated and troubled and disturbed and despondent and having the blues because I'm going to believe what he says. Then in your Christian life and mine, when we think about death, it isn't going to be always on the passing, but on what lies ahead. To be sure, the passing is not a pleasant experience because that's associated with sin. See, God never made you and me to die. And when death comes and the soul leaves the body again, we say, oh, there's something about it that is rather fearful. But don't forget Jesus died. And he, because he did, he's taken the sting out of it, even though it comes from sin. And he went to the grave and he's taken again the sting out of the grave. But we do not dwell on the fact of what shall come to our bodies. But we look ahead and we say, but in my Father's house, there are many mansions where there'll never be an anxious moment. One prepared for me and when we can rejoice in that Jesus did when he was here on earth the cross was something oh to go to the cross and to suffer and die but the word of God says who for the joy that was set before him he thought ahead in advance what lies ahead after this experience of death my home with my father in the heavenly mansions who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and when you and I can look ahead and we can say, why should I be despondent? Why should I be depressed when I think of death? Why again should I be so upset within me and agitated? And why again should I be so sad as the disciples were in the upper room? Why, when you and I can just think ahead, there will come the joy of anticipation, something like looking forward to Christmas. This is the Misericordia Domini Sunday or the Good Shepherd Sunday. Uh, Jesus again, the risen Lord, our Good Shepherd, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Oh, there's no reason in the world, he says. You and I may say, oh, how can I help it? How can I help to be afraid and be agitated and, oh, get rather despondent and get the blues and get so sad when I think of the day of death and the death is going to come? And Jesus says, you believe in God, don't you? Why don't you believe me? Why don't you just believe what I tell you? If it weren't so, I would have told you. And you and I can say, is that really a remedy that we can get rid of agitated hearts in view of death? To be sure it is. It wipes it away because in the second place, our risen Lord assures you and me beyond the shadow of a doubt, he says, I'm coming again. And I'm going to receive you into the heavenly mansions. You and I may say, well, there's no use being upset and agitated and frustrated and, oh, feeling so depressed and so despondent if, again, my risen Lord's going to come and he's going to take me to the heavenly mansions. And you and I may say, but can I believe it? Uh, that's what the day of death is, friend. When sin came into the world, this was the divine arrangement that by means of death, this is when he will come for you and me and when he will take us again to the mansions which he has prepared for you and me. It's the day of our death, and can I believe him? Can I believe him? He said, if it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm not lying to you. He is our risen Lord because he arose and conquered death, and he lives. Why can't I believe him? Sure, he's going to come, but that's what the day of death is in your life and mine, isn't it? The day again, it's going home day when he shall come for you and me, and again shall usher us into that place prepared for us. And he's been working on it now for nearly 2,000 years for you and me. And again, where our souls shall never see an anxious moment, and where again we shall be in the eternal bliss of our God, and no more sorrow and crying and heartache, and no more 
loneliness again. We stand in awe, don't we? We say, to be in God's home on the day of death, this is when Jesus will come. And then he also assures us beyond the shadow of doubt that he says that the last day I will come and I will raise up your bodies and I, so that your bodies can be reunited with your soul and that your bodies can enjoy the heavenly mansions forever in view of the fact that our bodies will be raised up. And he's not lying. He raised up his own body. That you and I shall put on an incorruptible glorified body. That our bodies will be dazzling and will be in glory like his was on Tabor that night when his face shone as the brightness of the sun and his clothing was white as the light. And you and I could say, and my body shall be raised up. And this was what lies in store. And I should be agitated. I should be filled with trouble at the thought of death. And I should be depressed. And I should again wonder why I was ever born. Is it any wonder, Jesus? Please stop it. There's no reason in all the world to be distressed when you face death. Jesus says, you believe in God? Why don't you believe me? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you believe what I tell you? You say you don't know what lies ahead. I'm telling you what lies ahead. I'm going to come. That's the day of death. And I'm going to take you to myself in heaven. And at the last day, I will add a glorified body that again, you can be with me forever and ever. And you and I could say, if I believe him, that just simply knocks out of your heart and mind any agitation of soul, doesn't it? And that's why today we ought to say, I, I'm going to stop being depressed when I think of death, when I know that this day is coming, when you and I may say to ourselves, well, here we are with regard to illness, and I'm going to have the blues, and I'm going to stop because he tells me, why don't you believe me? Oh, sure, it's going to be an experience that you and I have never had before. It's a happening that will come only once in life, and it's going to be a road that you and I have never walked on before. And we say, what lies on that road? And Jesus says, you've got nothing to be afraid of. Let not your heart be troubled. And therefore, when we say, I'm going to believe him, then we ought to determine today to begin to learn to pray to die, too, and to realize that that's a wonderful answer to prayer. You know, I know some Christians who talk about their strong faith and always because when the illness came and they prayed and they became better. Or their loved ones were seriously ill and they prayed and the loved ones lived. Now that's fine. That's fine. Some even, some Christians say, why we even pray without medicine and we pray without using a doctor and we pray without surgery and look what happens. What a strong faith. And then, of course, if somebody else prays and death comes... Well, then we may say, well, their faith wasn't strong enough. Listen, if death is the day when, again, you and I go to our home, have you and I learned to say this is an answer to prayer too? How many of us realize that every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, the seventh petition, but deliver us from evil, you and I are praying to die. Did you ever realize that? How are we going to be delivered from all evil? It's through death when he comes to take us to the heavenly mansions. We ought to, in our Christian experience, know this, that death is an answer to prayer. Sickness is just slow death, isn't it? When the time comes that we see our bodies wasting away, I have stood at deathbeds where I have prayed, Lord Jesus, if it's your will, you come and take this one to heaven. And I remember one day I had a woman say to me, why, you prayed for that person to die. And I said, yes. Is death, again, something to be feared? When every indication is this, that God is getting ready to call somebody, can we put it all in his hands and say, Lord, this is the day when you might come and take one of your own to heaven? 
when are we going to learn to know this? Or that when we think of death, let's remember that here's an answer to prayer. This is the day we go home. And that brings this joy, peace, and perfect peace, regardless of what comes in life. And yet somehow or other we go through life and we get despondent and we despair, especially if an incurable illness comes to us or a loved one again is lying on a deathbed of pain. And we say to ourselves, why doesn't God hear my prayer? Why, what kind of a prayer are you praying? Jesus says, look, you say what lies ahead? Death day is the day we go home. That ought to bring peace, oughtn't it? Somehow or other... Let's not base the strength of our faith on the fact that somehow or other we've learned an inside track to escape death. Oh, no. Death is a tremendous answer to prayer. This is the goodness of the Lord Sunday. And our risen Lord, he says to you and me this morning, says, let not your heart be troubled. Stop having an agitated heart. You and I say, Lord, how can I help it? Because uh, here's an experience I know is coming. I've never gone through it before, and I'm afraid. And here again is a happening. I, I don't want to go through it. And here's a new road. I've never walked on it before. Uh, what lies ahead? And Jesus says, here's the cure, son, daughter. Here's the panacea. Why don't you believe me? You believe God. You believe my Father, don't you? Why don't you just trust me? Why don't you believe what I tell you? And he again assures you and me also, beyond the shadow of a doubt, he our risen Lord. Not only again, that in the Father's house there are many mansions and he's gone to prepare a place especially for us. And not only this, that he's going to come again, going to take you and me there at the last day, raise up our bodies. But he also assures you and me beyond the shadow of a doubt that he's the way to the heavenly mansions. You and I may say, well, what's there to be afraid of if I know I'm on the right way? Oh, I'm so grateful for Thomas the twin up in the upper room that night, you know, when Jesus was talking to them and said, I'm going away. And oh, sorrow filled their hearts and they were despairing and they were afraid and they were upset and oh, again, they were restless. And uh, Jesus said, well, where I'm going, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas looked at him and he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. I'm glad that he said that because then there came from the lips of Jesus, oh, such a clear answer. He says, Thomas... In other words, Thomas, you've been with me for three years and you don't know the way. And he says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When you and I know that Christ is the way, why should we be so agitated when we have put our faith in him? But you and I may say, is he lying to us? Could the way still be human achievement? Could it be that I've got to merit it myself? And we look at him, our resurrected Lord. He died on the cross and the meaning of Calvary and the word of God. He says, I died for you. That on the cross, when he bore our guilt and our punishment, he merited all the righteousness, all the good works that you and I or any man needs for eternal life. And he said, if you just believe in me, You've got all the righteousness that you need. I'm the way. And you and I can say, could he be lying? Jesus is the risen Lord. He couldn't be lying. And when you and I can say in that day of death comes that I've got Christ, and because I put my faith in him, and I know he's the way, and therefore I know that he'll not fail me. I know that he'll not double-cross me. I know that he is the way, and that he is going to take me on the day of my death to the heavenly mansions. Pray tell, 
What's there to be afraid of? What's there to be so agitated about? Isn't any wonder that Jesus says when you and I say, Lord, oh, again, you say not to have a troubled heart. When we say, oh, I wish I could get rid of a troubled heart. I wish I could get rid of that anxiety and that fear and that sense of frustration and that despondency. When I think of death and I, I, it's a horrible thing and I hate the thing. I say, what lies beyond? And Jesus says, now, son or daughter, why don't you just believe me? You believe my father, you believe God. Why don't you believe what I tell you? If you just will believe what I tell you, here is the remedy for it. There's no need in the world for a troubled heart. And again, when we know the way, he isn't lying to us. And thus again, he gives us the assurance beyond the shadow of a doubt that if we've got our faith in him, it may be the weakest faith in all the world. You and I may have the weakest faith of any Christian that lives right now. But, oh, I love the words of the Word of God. you ever see a flower with its stem and the stem is broken over and the flower is hanging here, but it's hanging on? Can you imagine a stem any weaker than that? But your Lord and mine says that a broken reed, he'll never break. If your faith and mine in him is so weak that you just can't even hold your head up, but if it's a faith in him, he says, I won't break it off. It's still a saving faith. Did you ever see a smoldering fire, but you didn't see any flame? And you and I may say, well, I wonder if there's really a fire that all I see is smoke. And your Lord and mine says, a, a smoking flax will he not quench your faith and mine may be the smallest the weakest faith in jesus of any christian on earth this morning it may just be smoke but it's a faith he says i won't put it out i don't care how weak your faith and mine is we may stand and jesus says you still have a faith in me that's all this mess you're hooked on to me because you've got me, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, but having me, oh, I'll take you there. Don't you ever worry. You just close your eyes, and you'll pass through death, and I'll take you there. I don't care how weak your faith is, because you still trust me. That's why he said, what, what are you worried about? What are you troubled about? Why are you so disheartened? Why are you so disturbed? Well, then we ought to say to ourselves this morning because, again, when we think of what lies ahead and we think of death, and oh, we say, oh, that's sort of a morbid thing, and we may say, who wants to talk about it? And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Get rid of any kind of a troubled soul. You're agitated. There's no reason in the world, Jesus says. Won't you just believe me? And when you and I say I'm going to get rid of a troubled heart this morning. I'm not going to be agitated over it again when I think of that uh, because I'm going to believe him. Uh, then we ought to determine in our lives that every day we ought to remind ourselves that maybe this is going home day. You ever get so filled up with cares that you just wondered how in the world I'm going to get it all done? I thank God that in the Christian life you and I can... We can begin every day and we can say, Lord, is this it? I thank God in my own personal life and as a minister because I've learned to live it a day at a time. I've got to. 
to. You, you have no idea the things that come to a minister. He wants to be a good shepherd of the sheep. You talk about the cares, oh, the phone rings. It's a life of interruptions, and thank God that's what it is. A family calls again, we're about ready to break up, could we see you? A wife calls again, my husband is doing this. A husband calls, here are our children. Somebody calls and says, how are we going to pay for that building across the street? Uh, we've got a nursery problem. Uh, you're wanted out at the hospital. They just brought a patient in who wants to see you. Uh, you better come to Columbus. You've got somebody down there. And you stand outside of a door down there and you see a husband crying. He just got some sad news. Again, wife with hopeless cancer. And then the phone rings and this chap wants some. We come over and unlock the door. Or the night watchman comes as the door open here. It's about midnight. You go over and you lock a door. And the phone rings in the middle of the night. And somebody says, oh, I'm so afraid. Will you talk to me? And, you know, it's pretty nice at the end of a day to be able to say, Lord, maybe, maybe this is the day. And you see, all those worries about tomorrow, they, they won't be around. When we can live it a day at a time and we can say, Lord, maybe today is the day we go home. And then there comes this joy that we can say every day, why every day is just a day closer to our going home to the heavenly mansions. I remember being called one Sunday afternoon to one of our old saints, an elderly lady, and she had gotten seriously ill and I sat there at her bed and I said, Grandma, Maybe this is the day you're going home. And when I said that, oh, there were smiles through her tears. And she said, oh, I hope so. She said, oh, I've been so homesick for 30 years since Paul left me. She said, every day of my life, for 30 years, I have said, Lord, is this the day you will take me home? And there was joy, smiling through tears. Oh, I hope it is. Oh, again, if you've got a boy coming home or a husband coming home, I've had letters from the boys in Vietnam and they've said, at such and such a day when I'm writing this, I've got so many more days, there's so many more hours, there's so many minutes, and I even had one figure out how many seconds before I get home. Oh, the joy of every day. I'm just one step nearer to the heavenly mansions. And then we can smile through our tears, not being afraid. Jesus says, oh, just believe me, won't you? We can walk the glory road and we can sing so joyously. One sweetly solemn thought comes to me, Ordendor. Today I am nearer my home than e'er I've been before. Nearer my father's house where the many mansions be nearer the great white throne, nearer the crystal sea. Today I am nearer my home than ever I've been before. And if we can sing that, then the troubled heart is gone. And Jesus just says to you and me today, you believe in God? Oh, please, believe me too. Won't you, please, just believe me too. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
unto life everlasting. Amen.